All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. The Gospel of John, the first chapter. We're, we're progressing right along in our study here. I wanted to uh, just kind of talk to you real quickly before we get into the verses we're going to look at today. When I was studying this portion of Scripture this, this mor- for this morning, we're going to be focusing on verses 29 to 34 where basically John the Baptist introduces Jesus to us, I kind of had a moment where I had to decide, how am I going to approach this passage with you? And and, and you're like, what do you mean by that, George? Well, you know, typically when I I teach and when I uh, share with you, I, I share with you from the epistles, which are basically letters of instruction. So I'm continually sharing with you things that the apostles are telling us that we need to do, okay? So, but when I was going through this passage, that's my tendency is to look for, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? What do we do with this? And, and the reality was, that's not what's going on here in this passage. It's not a question of what we do with it. So here's two thoughts I want you to see. When it comes to Jesus, okay, when it comes to Jesus, our natural tendency is to be told what to do. That's our natural tendency. If you think about church, typically when you come to church or when you're in church or whatever, typically church is telling you what to do. It's usually telling you some morals, telling you what not to do, where you can't go, what to do. And you know it depends on the church where you go as far as how extreme that gets. And so we, we typically want to come to God. God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do you want, want me to do? And, and, so, and, and so sometimes the teaching comes across that way. So when it comes to Jesus or even a discussion of Jesus, we, we go immediately to the issue of what do we do with this? What do I do? What do I got to do? Well, that's not John's purpose here. John's purpose is not to tell you what to do with this gospel, okay? So the purpose of this gospel is so that we can get to know him, okay? So that we can get to know him. So let me explain to you about this gospel. This is an interesting gospel. Your your Bible contains four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic gospels, that's because they're very similar to each other. They were written within the first 10 or 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. When you come to the Gospel of John, it was written in A.D. 90. A whole 60 years later. So John, in his, the purpose and what he's trying to do here, he's, he's writing to Gentiles now. Not Jewish people, but Gentiles. There would be Jews who would read it as well. But he's writing to give us more information about who he is. Who is Jesus? And what does that mean for you in your life? Did you understand what I'm saying? This isn't about what do you do. This is about getting to know. Because once you get to know him, This is the implication of the whole gospel, is that by knowing him, we will come to a place of believing him. And then when you believe him, that changes how you act 
and live your life. Did you understand what I'm saying? Can, can I be honest with you? So much of what we do, and I'm guilty of this. I mean, I've been a pastor a long time. I've been in church a long time. So much of what we do is communicate how we should be living, forgetting the reason why we should be living that way. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? We, we, we have this morality that we express without telling you why. And what John's gospel is wanting to do is, is introduce you to Jesus and so that that impacts you. And guess what happens as a result of it? You change. You change the way you live. You change the way you, you act. And I thought about that. I thought about, you know, okay, so I came to Christ in April of 1985. That's when I became a believer. I was a student at the University of South Carolina, was invited to a Bible study, and was introduced through the people who were there, the, the young people who were there, the college students who were there. I didn't think they were young at that time. They were my age, but they obviously are young as I think about it now and how old I am now. But uh, I was introduced to the reality of Jesus in their lives, and somebody said to me, hey, if you're interested, go read the Gospel of John. So I read the Gospel of John that evening. I went home. I was still living at home. I was commuting. I went home and I said to my daddy, we, do we have a Bible? I mean, I grew up in a home where there weren't Bibles later. I mean, we didn't go to church. So I said, do we have a Bible? And he said, yeah, I got one. So he handed me his Bible. It was a Masonic Bible. It had a big Mason symbol on the front of it. My dad was a Mason. And uh, so I took the Bible in the room, looked at the index to find where the Gospel of John was. I didn't even know where the Gospel of John was. But I read it, the entire gospel, that evening, and I met Jesus. And what I did was, is I found myself getting on my knees by my bed, and I said to him, here's my life. I want to follow you. And that changed my life forever. See, that's, that's the whole thing here. The whole thing is... Well, don't you realize you were a sinner? You know what? When I got to know him and understood what he wanted from me, then I began to realize, well, you know, you need to stop these things. So guess what? I, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I stopped partying. I quit. My language changed. Why? Because I met Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? Not because somebody told me to quit doing that. No, in fact, nobody told, they didn't tell me to do that. I did that on my own. Why? I met Jesus. See, that's the whole purpose of this study. The, the whole purpose of what we're going to do through the Gospel of John is shifting away from you being told what to do to you meeting Jesus, the living Jesus who wants to interact in your life right now. Because when you interact with him and meet with him, you change. You're different because you've met with him. So that brings us to what we're going to look at today because John is going to introduce, because from this point on, we're going to be knee-deep in getting to know Jesus from this point on. Before, it's been a lot of theological introduction about who he is, the reality of who he is, why John came as far as 
answering the questions that people had presuppositions about who Jesus is, but now he's going to point out Jesus to us. So I want you to look with me. It's going to be up on the screen for you as well. Look with me at verse 29. We're going to look through verse 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Okay, so from these verses, here's what we're going to see, folks. We're going to see two things about Jesus that you need to understand. Because I'll be honest with you, just going to church over time, we get used to a concept of Jesus, and what happens with our, our is getting used to them is, is that we miss things about them. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? So you take a couple who's been married a long time. You, you kind of get to the point, well, yeah, I know him. I know her. And, and you think you know your spouse. And, and, and then when they do something that's completely different, you're like, why did they do that? Where did that come from? Well, you don't ever truly know somebody. The reality is, is you're not going to ever truly know and understand Jesus, Period. That's why you got to have a relationship with him so that continues to expand in your mind and your hearts about who Jesus is. And so we're going to see a couple of things here today from John's testimony, two main things that come out of the reality of who Jesus is that really speaks to us that I think sometimes we just forget or we take for granted. Well, here's what they are. Here's the first one. He's the Lamb of God. Okay, his redemptive character. What do you mean by redemptive? Well, redemption, we understand that. You go redeem something. He buys us. He buys us from what? The slave markets of our sin. So can we all acknowledge that we're sinners here? I mean, the chances are you sinned this morning. No, I didn't. I tried to be very careful. Folks, you sin ignorantly. You don't even know when you sin. It comes natural. All right, bottom line. And because of that, we need redeemed. And so who do we need to do that? Jesus, right, yes. So listen to me. Look at what it says here. We're going to see three things. Look with me at verse 29. He's going to identify him immediately as this. The next day I saw Jesus coming. John saw Jesus coming towards him and, he, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, for you and I, we understand what that means, that he's the sacrifice. But I want you to go back with me 2,000 years ago, somewhere along the Jordan River in the desert, and here comes Jesus, you're a Jew, this is all new to you, and you hear John say, John the Baptist say, 
Behold the Lamb of God. Okay, so who takes away the sins of the world. In a Jewish mind at that time, when you, the whole concept of the Lamb, they got two things going through their mind. Number one, the Lamb that would be sacrificed at Passover, which commemorated what? Them leaving Egypt out of bondage of Egypt. Experiencing the salvation out of the bondage of Egypt going to the new promised land. The second thing that would go in their mind is the fact that lambs were being sacrificed every day in the temple for sins. Your sins, if you were a Jew. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Got to qualify that. Not every sin, though. Lambs were being sacrificed. Are you ready for this? For unintentional sins. Sins of ignorance. Your intentional ones, there was no sacrifice for those. And for you and I who are Gentiles, which I'm looking out over this crowd, that's us. There was nothing for us. So here comes Jesus, and the first aspect of his redemptive character is, is that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. For the first time ever, Somebody came along to take care of the stuff that we do wrong. Isn't that amazing? Look, okay, let me just stop. Think for a moment. You don't have to think long. You and I have regrets, right? Things that we've done that we wish we could make disappear. How are we doing with that? Not doing too good, huh? Because we can't take it away. Here's the other one. We live with the guilt of it, right? Continually. Some of us even grow dead to it. It's like, if you look at it from a human perspective, it is always with us. But then there's Jesus. And he comes to take it away. And what the scripture tells us, he comes to take it away forever. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Do you want to know what the, the blessing is? You know, so I, I, when I read through the scripture and I come to Revelation chapter 20 and it talks about when we go to be with Christ and this is, this is the aspect that happens even after the great white throne judgment when we enter into eternity, it describes eternity in this way that, that God will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more death no more sin there will be healing have you ever thought about that for a moment i mean have you ever taken a few moments to think about what that's going to be like i'm going to tell you one of the things that i thought about with regards to that and why i would be weeping is that the struggle with my body with my sin will be done forever. And when the realization hits me that the many regrets will be gone, that just blows my mind. Do you know what I'm saying? Think about it. Those regrets, because you could be told all day long, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, but guess what? You still wake up the next morning with what? That regret. But one day, you're going to be with him, 
and you're going to look at him and it's going to be no more regrets. It won't even be remembered. Isn't that awesome? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. So it says, behold the Lamb of God. So John is telling us who this Jesus is. Now, just so you understand, how is this possible? How is he able to do it? He tells us a little bit more here. Look with me at verse 30. Look at what he says here. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. So here's how we know that this is possible. How can Jesus do this? John's telling us here, verse 30. He is superior to all because he's always existed. In short, what John is saying, he's able to do this, take away the sins, be the sacrificial lamb because he's God. And he's always existed. No human being can take it away from you. But he can. All right, now stop. I told you it was 1985, April of 1985, third Tuesday in April of 1985, that I got down on my knees and asked Jesus, let me follow him. I don't know when it was for you. For some of you, it was with a parent or a grandparent. For some of you, it was maybe later in life, maybe listening to somebody on TV. But you, you, you decided to follow Jesus, okay? And, and you committed your life to him. I'm going to tell you that at that instance, you entered into a relationship with the Lamb of God who took care of your sin. And who could take care of it. Isn't that awesome? I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we so make Jesus our friend. He's like Bubba who goes fishing with me or something. But he's not. He's God. Did you understand what I'm saying? So he is superior because he's always existed. And then notice something, because it's kind of confusing what John is saying here. Look with me, verse 31, because you're going to be like, what? what is, what's going on here? Look at what he says, verse 31. I did not know him. Wait a minute, what do you mean, John? You're, you're cousins. When I read the other Gospels, Jesus' mother Mary is a cousin to John's mother Elizabeth. How's that possible they didn't know each other, did not see each other all the time? But what's he talking about here? No, no, that's not what he's talking about. He knows who Jesus is. He knows that's his cousin. What's he talking about? Well, let's look here. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Whoa, what's going on here? John's saying, I didn't know he was the Messiah till the time was right. I didn't know he was the Messiah. Here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus presents himself as the Messiah at the appointed time. So at the right time in human history, he shows up. The right time in the history of Israel, he shows up. The right time 
for you and I, he shows up. Aren't you glad for that? Because if he didn't show up, folks, we wouldn't even be here this morning. There would be no church. There would be no redemption for us. We'd all be going to hell. That's the reality because we weren't and aren't Jewish. There were no promises for us. So at the right time, he shows up. That's what John's saying. I didn't know who he was until the right time. And he's going to explain to us how he knew he was the right person. That's where we come to the next aspect that I want you to see here about who he is. The divine nature. Remember I told you he's going to show us two things here. He's going to show us his redemptive character, the Lamb of God. Now he's going to show us the divine nature. That's with the aspect of him being the Son of God. Now, just so you understand the setting, so you understand what John's talking about here, this incident recorded in the Gospel of John happened right after, maybe at least 40 days after his being baptized by John. Remember the other Gospels will tell you that Jesus came to him and he was baptized and the Spirit descended on him like a dove and the voice was heard from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Scripture says in the other Gospels that immediately he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert to be what? Tempted by Satan. Now this, what we're looking at here in John chapter 1, is going to be the testimony of John because he witnessed that. So this has to happen at least, what we're seeing here, 40 days later. Okay, so I just want you to have the context here. All right, so let's look at it. Look with me at verse 32. Here's what he says. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. All right, so what's he referring to? He's referring back to the time when Jesus was baptized. But here's the point I want you to see. The reality of Jesus was affirmed by both the Spirit and God the Father. That's what he's testifying to. Because here's the thing. How do you know? I mean, someone could say, well, John, how do you know he's the Messiah? Well, I know because God told me and the Spirit came upon him. I saw it. And the spirits, when he came upon him, God said to me, on this one whom the spirit descends, that's it. That's the Messiah. And what does that mean for you and I? Okay, so here we have Jesus. We understand his redemption and everything. What I want you to see is, is that this one who is Jesus, who we give our lives to, is the one that God the Father has been telling us through the Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, He's the one who's to come. And so that you understand that He's the one, the Spirit came upon Him and affirmed who He is. Now, how do you and I know that? Because when we come to Christ, who comes into our lives? The Spirit, the same Spirit, affirms to us who? That Jesus is God. How, how do you know that? Well, okay, if you go all the way over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to this. 
They had something weird going on in the Corinthian church. They had some of these manifestations taking place in the service and people were saying some really crazy stuff like Jesus is accursed and then saying that the Spirit told them to do that. No, but listen to what Paul writes. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the, it is the Spirit who affirms that Jesus is God in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what I want you to see here. Here's the second thing I want you to see. If you look with me, look with me at verse 33. This is the amazing thing. So here's what John says. I did not know him. So again, I didn't know who he was. I, understand, I, I, know, I know Jesus, but I didn't know who Jesus really was. Okay, I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I want you to notice. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? All right, I want you to forget crazy stuff that you've seen on TV. Forget that. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's so much more than that. What is it? Here it is. Jesus is the one who transforms or baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. He transforms you. He changes you. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. All right, let's get back to our discussion earlier when we talk about regrets. Some of the biggest regrets that you have in your life, that I have in my life, are the stupid things that we know that are wrong that we do over and over and over again. You know what I'm talking about? Are those not some of our biggest, like, when can I get, when can I deal with this? So here comes Jesus, the Lamb of God. He points out the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Oh, man, that's awesome. But I'm still the guy who is doing the wrong thing. He's the Son of God. And he baptizes you. John says, with the Spirit. What does that mean? He gives you the Spirit to what? Change you. See, folks, God is changing you from the inside out. And that takes time. So, okay, so 1985, George comes to Jesus. Immediately, there's some changes. George gives up drinking. George gives up the smoking. George gives up the foul language. Yeah, but is that all that was wrong with George? Some of you know me. No, that's not all what's wrong with you. Guess what? Since 1985 to this point, he's been working on it. And some things he deals with. Some things it takes a little bit of time to change. How's that possible? Because I don't have the strength to do it. Do you guys have the strength to change the stuff in your life? No. How's it possible? The Holy Spirit. 
And he's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who transforms us. He's the one who sent him for you and I. Here's the third thing I want you to see here about the Son of God aspect. Well, it is. Verse 34, he makes the point. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Look what he says, verse 34. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Look, if you can't leave here with but just a couple of thoughts, here's the two thoughts I want you to leave with. He is the Lamb who takes away your sin. And number two, he's God. Quit thinking of him in terms of the God that you create out of your own mind. He's beyond anything that we could create as far as our thoughts about Jesus. God does his own thing. His ways are higher than our ways. His foolishness, Paul will say in Corinthians, is greater than our, all of our wisdom. You think you're smart? That's nothing but foolishness to God. God is awesome. So here's the thing. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. And that is who we have a relationship with. Okay, so where does that go with us? Okay. All right. We just got through one week... We're going to begin another week. What's on your hearts and minds right now? What's on your hearts and minds? Is it some issue? Some health issue? Is it a difficulty that you don't know how you're going to get through? Some things that are on my mind are loved ones that I'm concerned for in different areas. I'm concerned for church family that are struggling with health issues. I'm needing God to do this. I'm, I'm needing God to show up. I'm needing God to do... I mean, wh what is it in your life? Do you understand? You just put it in your mind right now. Some of you, you don't even have to think very long. For some of you, it's regrets. Oh, I'm... I'm can't believe I did that. Can't believe I hurt that relationship. That person's mad. How can I, how can I, how can we make this right? I mean, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about the stuff that's going on right now in your life. Because it's the stuff that we carry, right? We've got our smiles on, but man, we're carrying it. But I want you to think. about something that maybe you and I have overlooked. We belong to Jesus. Who takes away our sins and can handle anything. Isn't that awesome? He takes away our sins and can handle anything. So maybe we should talk to him. Maybe we should go and express what's on our hearts and our minds.
and just plead with him and continue to? That's the reality of what John's wanting us to see here today. That's the reality of what I want you to see. Let me pray for you.